we're all just doing our best and you're the best mom for your kid, not somebody else or not the way somebody else does it. And it doesn't matter what somebody else is doing. You do you. Hi, I'm Bridget Garsh, co-founder of Neighbor Schools and your host for Work Like a Mother, a podcast dedicated to real conversations with incredible women juggling work, life, and motherhood. Today, I'm really excited to sit down with Caitlin Murray, the courageous, authentic, and hilarious mom of three behind the big-time adulting Instagram profile. I remember talking to a friend with a six-month-old right before I was due with Hudson, and she asked how I was feeling. I was beyond ready. I had taken weeks of birth classes, prepped my birth plan, packed my hospital bag, installed the car seat, and organized our birth announcement list. Huddy decided to arrive fashionably late 11 days later, but that's a story for a different time. The point is, I felt so prepared. But I was talking to someone who had just lived through her own birth experience just a few months ahead of me, so I asked her what she wished she knew before she had given birth. She described her entire labor, and my jaw was on the floor by the end. There was so much I didn't know. The bloody show, afterbirth pains while breastfeeding, mucus plugs, your first post-birth poop. Why had no one explained all of this to me before? This eye-opening, real-talk conversation was exactly what I needed and wanted to feel really prepared for my first delivery and beyond. Don't get me wrong, I love writers and influencers who celebrate motherhood and all of its joys. But I love mamas who don't shy away from the grueling, exhausting, and gross realities that come with it. And when it comes to real talk, no one does it better than Caitlin Murray, the mom behind the big-time adulting Instagram handle. After following her for years, it was such a pleasure to sit down and chat And now I'm just an even bigger fan. Caitlin's world got turned upside down when her son got sick just before Christmas. Something in her gut said it wasn't just a normal fever, that something might be really wrong with Callum. Following his cancer diagnosis, Caitlin started a small blog to share updates on their battle with cancer with family and friends. Eventually, she realized that the blog served two purposes. Yes, it kept others up to speed, but it also proved to be a much-needed outlet for Caitlin on a personal level. That blog was the start of big-time adulting, and soon she added the Instagram profile that's become a must-follow for more than 70,000 moms who laugh and cry right along with her. Her mom dance videos have reached millions, and although we may come for the comedy, we stay for the real talk. How does Caitlin do it all? By putting one foot in front of the other and affirming that she is doing the best she can, both for herself and for her kids. Welcome, Caitlin. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you you for um, asking me to be here. What an honor. Thanks so much. We are really excited to have you today. And one question that um, springs to mind just right off the bat is, 
what's going on in your life right now? We were talking right before we the show all the things that you're juggling. Can you give us some insight into all the different moving pieces that are happening at this moment? Yeah, sure. There's a lot going on right now. We um, we decided that during quarantine we would move. So um, we it was uh, we had no intentions of leaving our house, but then this like really awesome spot came on the market. And nobody was looking at houses at that point in time. So um, I think we got in there like in good in, at the right time, and then. Um, when it was time to sell our house, there was like max mass exodus from New York City. So people trying to get out of there and get into the suburbs and buy houses. So um, that worked out really well for us. But um, everything's been so backed up, like with um, with COVID and the restrictions on making appointments for places and um, availability of lawyers, time and stuff. So we were only able to close on our new house just like a few weeks ago. So, um, and we have to move in, in like three more weeks and we're under full like renovations right now. And it's, there's no way it's going to be really ready, but I don't even know if it's going to be ready enough for us to live in. Lots of moving parts. Are we storing our items? Are we moving them into our house? Are we trying to look for a place to rent? Are we staying with a family member? Who knows? We will, We'll let the wind take us, Bridget. (laughs) And how are the kids doing with all of this change? Are they excited about it or are they... They have no freaking idea. They're like, well, they know that we're moving, but like they don't know how like the many moving parts there are going on Um, or that we might just be like, well, they'll be fine. They'll be like excited if we're staying at like my mother-in-law's for a week or whatever. But um, my son was a little upset when we first told him we were going to be moving from our house because we have like such awesome neighbors and a great neighborhood and... um, and we're definitely upset about that too, but um, but this this is a great um, house. So I think when he saw where we were moving, he was like, "Okay, like so, when do you want me to start packing?" Um, but now we've like we've started renovations, so everything's like ripped up in there, and it's um, it it all like needed to be majorly updated. But um, my daughter will go in and be like, "This this house is a little rusty, mom." <laughs> And how old is she? Remind me of the the ages. Yeah, Callum is uh, my oldest. Uh, he's six and a half, and Faye is four and a half, and then the baby is uh, fifteen months. So, and what's the baby's name? Uh, Luke. <laughs> it's Just funny baby. how yeah, I, I I only have the two, but even now. It's always like, oh, baby Brooks, like everything is baby. And then I thought at some point, you know, we're going to have to stop calling him baby. It'll be. Yeah. When does that transition take place? When they like start going to school, I feel like they're no longer baby. They're like, we have like family friends who my kids refer to as like baby Annie and she's like two and a half now. And so now they've like, my son Callum will be like, oh, we're going to go see baby. I mean toddler Annie (laughs) like when when my toddler sees another child who's right around the same age as him he will often say like oh look at the baby and I'm like well I mean 
yes, they maybe are a little younger than you, but there's really, you're pretty yeah, they're much like, the same age. They're, they're basic, kids are basically like small dogs that have no idea how big they are. Uh, they have no, you know, perception con con concept of their size and uh, in, in relation to others in the world around them. They're just as big and bold as everyone else and everything else is smaller than them, right? So. Right, that's true. I like, <laughs> I like that description. Um, um, did you always know that you wanted to have three? I did. Yeah. Um, I nearly killed myself having the, the third child there. It was like such a tough transition from two to three, I felt. But um, now that it's like happened and done, I'm so delighted that we went for it. Um, and it was a big decision for us too, because particularly everything that we'd already been through with my son and to... Uh, uh, you know, have a baby while he was still in treatment um, was, you know, a bit of an unknown factor of what, you know, we weren't quite out of the woods with him yet. And was this going to be too much to handle? But um, in the end, we, we, we went for it. And I'm just really grateful that we did. Um, and I'm grateful that we did it when we did it and everything because I was getting older. I mean, my he was born when I was like on the cusp of turning 37, um, which is, you know, not crazy. Certainly women are having babies into their 40s and stuff now. But um, I felt it. My body was like feeling pretty beat up. I had my first when I was... 35. Um, and then I had my youngest when I was 37 and just even those two years yeah. felt like they made such a difference. It felt, you're also chasing around other children yeah. um, or another child, which makes yeah. it a challenge, but your body just does, it, it feels things differently. Yeah. And like that, I think it's even that, that like cumulative effect of the physical toll of each subsequent pregnancy, like, um, definitely, uh, it is something that effect, like, I just like had sciatica worse the third time around than I did the first time around and stuff. So I don't know why that phenomenon is, if it's just because my body's more beat up and I was older, or if it's just like there was damage done a little bit along the way for the other two pregnancies and stuff. So, but it was harder. Yeah. I wonder too, how much your body truly goes back and heals in between. Um, I had diastasis. I don't know if you, Ugh, have I have it so bad. It's so it's such a shame that it's not talked about more. I can't yeah. believe that it's not something that your OB is checking the minute you go for your six week, you because know, it's like your entire core. Right. I mean, I have a few now like abdominal hernias and everything too, that I would, should probably have at some point surgically fixed, but I'm like, I can't go through. Cause I've, I had C-sections for mm. um, all three of mine. So I'm like, I just need, I need some more time before I undergo any other kind of surgery right now. So knock on wood, hopefully I stay healthy and I don't have to go under any other surgery. So, And you shared thinking of uh, sort of medical challenges, you shared and just mentioned how your son was in treatment. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Um, yeah, of course. So um, my, um, 
my son was diagnosed with uh, acute lymphoblastic leukemia just about a month after his third birthday. That was December of 2016. Um, definitely was something that really, of course, turned our world upside down and that I never would have expected or imagined uh, in my, I say wildest dreams, probably more like worst nightmares. But, um, you know, um, We've been so blessed. He ha has responded and did respond really well um, to his treatments throughout. Um, it's a really long road. It's a three-year treatment protocol, which was one of like the biggest shocks to me. I think out of the gates, like um, thinking about being like having no real prior knowledge and understanding of cancer treatment um, before this happened. Um, I was like you know, this will be what, six months and then we'll, we'll be okay. Or what, you know, how, what's, how does this work? Um, and then when we were told it was going to be a three year process, um, that was probably like, uh, just the hard, the, one of the toughest pills to swallow through it all. Cause that was as much as he had been alive at that point, you know? Um, and then that was as much more treatment as he was going to get. It was just crazy to comprehend that. And uh, and so March of this year, he finished his uh, just a little over three years of treatment. And um, he's doing great. His um, immune system has been, uh, you know, continuing to bounce back. But he gets monthly um, blood work uh, where we're able to see how he's recovering and he's each time we go, he gets a little closer to uh, baseline normal. So um, it's been fantastic just to see him over these last few months being um, chemo free and just the differences that that's made in his everyday life. And I think all definitely in my everyday life and um, not having to give him medicine every day. It's like just this giant, weight lifted off of the family. Um, and to get to know him at a baseline level, um, is just a great thing right now. Seeing his energy levels mm -hmm. much better than they had been. And he's got more stamina, even though he does tire um, more quickly than probably your average kid, his age. Um, but foods that he was so averse to for all these years that he is now fine with eating like chicken. I mean, he was basically like, uh, had the, the diet of like first trimester pregnancy. Like he just wanted like carbs and pizza and, um, had those major like aversions to different textures and chicken and stuff. So I was like, I think I kind of understand how you're feeling. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so anyway, and here we are. So it's been a wild ride. Um, and he was, you know, like the inspiration between when I, when I began my blog, which was called big time adulting. And then I decided to, that was just writing about him and our experiences and stuff. And that, and then I decided to, um, move over to Instagram and, um, there I talk about like, I'll, different kinds of parenting things and life things. Um, so it's been, um, it's been wild just to, uh, have been through this. And then I feel like, um, 
you know, now what everyone's going through is also super weird and um, another random version of normal that we're not used to and that we're all adjusting to again. But um, going through things like that does in some ways give you a new lease on life, I think. And, um, uh, you know, the, the gratitude for the little things going right, um, is definitely much more like palpable, like, because, uh, you don't take it for granted. COVID has definitely been a bit of a kick in the pants. We had hoped to be able to take the kids places for the first time that we had never done before. Um, you know, take them maybe on an airplane somewhere to the beach, somewhere warm and, uh, and all those plans that we kind of had to celebrate the end of, um, cancer treatment were, are put on hold, but, um, it's, you know, once again, like everyone's healthy and we're all going to be okay. So, um, that's all that actually matters at the end of the day. So it's all good. How was he diagnosed? Yeah. So when we were, um, when leading into his, uh, diagnosis, I, he had been sick. He had, uh, like what, what appeared to be a really bad virus, but, um, and just something he like couldn't kick. And, um, but in, you know, you see your kids get sick and you see them maybe get like, if they get something like the flu or something kind of tough to, to, um, let their system tolerate you, you just each day, I think you see them get a little bit better. Like there's something, that you can tell that they're improving on the tail end of something. And he, he just, this was going on too long. He wasn't getting um, better. And there were other things that um, were really like warning signs to me that was just like his color was off. Um, he really wouldn't eat anything um, at that point, at the time where I was like, okay, this is, this is something like, not right. Um, and I, and so I took him to the doctor and I asked for blood work. Um, and the doctor kind of was like, you know, it's the cold and flu season and he probably just has a virus on top of a virus. And if he still has a fever at the end of the weekend, bring him back and we'll check him out again. And, um, so I, you know, in some ways I was like slightly relieved that they weren't super concerned, but it, it, he didn't, I didn't see him improve at all. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it was Christmas that weekend. Um, and then it was Christmas morning and he didn't want to like even play with his toys. He just kind of wanted to cuddle and, um, you know, I couldn't even force like a piece of cake on him. Uh, and so the next morning on December 26th, I just, um, we were in the middle of like a family brunch and he wasn't, he couldn't eat anything. He didn't want to eat anything. And I just packed him up and took him back to the doctor and pretty much was like, I'm not going to go, I'm not leaving until we get some blood work for this kid. And within two hours of that, um, the blood results came back and it was very clear that he was either, you know, uh, he either had leukemia or like, mono or something like that, which wasn't very likely for a three-year-old. Mm -hmm. 
So we sort of knew what we were dealing with, and then we had to go through the the real proper diagnostic process of getting the bone marrow biopsy. You know, one day you your kid might just have a virus, and the next day he had leukemia. And I don't say that to scare anyone, because in my heart of hearts, I really felt that something was seriously, seriously wrong with him for a good week and a half leading into this diagnosis. And I, I had gone so far to say to a cousin that I thought that he could have cancer. Um, and I was like asking every mom I knew how long their kids had ever had fevers for, have you, you know, like taking surveys basically. Um, but the bottom line was, is that I knew in my heart. And I think that like, as a mom, you just know your kid, like, you know, the baseline. Yeah. Um, it's still startling to hear you say how you had to fight really to have that blood test though, too, that you had to really be an advocate for him and say, I'm not leaving until, until this happens. And I've heard from other parents who have brought in their children for, um, sort of un, untreated or unimproving, uh, symptoms and they've had to do the same thing and it it's just mind blowing that they wouldn't listen to you more yeah um yeah it is i mean i think though to be to be honest and to be fair to the doctors like with this thing it was you know not very many kids get diagnosed with pediatric cancer so 99.9% of the time, they would have been right, you know, but they don't know Callum. So they wouldn't have known his baseline and how much I had been like watching him like a hawk leading into this and stuff. So um, the doctor who originally sent me home um, has called to apologize to me and said, you know, it's like one of those things that she would now like pay closer t attention to when a mother's antennas go up, you know, mm -hmm. and, and why not just get that blood test or whatever, you know, like what's the harm in that? Um, but yeah, um, it, it, it's not like a, it shouldn't be like, I, f I feel like this is not something that I would ever want to say to scare other parents, you know, because it's just rare that this kind of stuff does happen. But, um, but that like, I've never, and I don't think anyone ever would regret going a little bit, like going the extra mile to, to make sure, you know, cause at least you have peace of mind. So while he was still in treatment, you then had your daughter? My daughter was one years old when he was um, diagnosed. Uh, she had just turned one. Um, and so she, um, you know, my, my parents and my husband's mom were great in uh, stepping in and taking over with her while we were staying in the hospital for a while at the beginning. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was definitely like a super tough and emotional time and so many unknowns. Um, but, uh, like I said, um, we've been super lucky and, um, our son has done so well. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we really just feel blessed by the outcome at the end of the day. Um, and then when my son was 
two years into it's the, so it's three years in we we kind of decided like if we were going to have another baby that like it would be a good time to do it and and then you know just why not kind of like basically pile on the shit for lack of a better word like okay let's just like have a newborn while we're in this last stretch this final year of treatment because when that ends then we'll be like in such a better place like the baby will be one years old they're just like out of the woods with the newborn phase stuff Mm -hmm. which is like oh my god like I get massive anxiety even thinking about having newborn again um (laughs) Like as I think about my my four and a half month old, I know you forget all those little challenges that newborns present. Yeah, and it's like you know, some people are good with it, and some people just are not. And I'm just not a newborn. I my my anxiety tends to run really hard high after a baby, and I feel like it doesn't really get better until I'm really getting some consistent sleep. I just want that like that knowing of what is I'm getting into for the night or the day or whatever. I think that the whole lack of control over everything with a newborn is what really, and similarly to the way I've been feeling lately with like um, the, the COVID stuff and the returning to school and not knowing what's going on and so many question marks in the air with no control over um, the future and how heavily it impacts your day-to-day life. Um, I've been feeling that same kind of level of anxiety lately. Um, So I think it's funny, like had I waited to have a baby again until after my son had finished his treatment and then if we were in this right now, I might not go for it. So it seems like there's just never the perfect time for any of that stuff. But like if in your heart you feel like that's what you want to do, then you should go for it. You know, like don't, don't stress too much over timing and circumstances. Cause at the end of the day, so much is just not in our control. You sort of have to like let go of the illusion of control. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I, I love that. There's never going to be a perfect time. There's always going to be something and you're right. There's just, that's the lesson of parenthood. There's so much that's out of your yeah. Control, and that you yeah. can't, even if you are the most planful person who wants to have everything lined up and in a row, you're going to have God knows what thrown at you. Yeah. It's like lower your expectations, <laughs> lower the bar, ladies. Caitlin, you have juggled so much. Not only do you have three children, not only are you starting this this business and the the blog and your Instagram, your son has battled leukemia. How how do you juggle all of it and how do you take care of yourself? Um well, you know, everybody has, you know, we're all busy. I think you just like continue people just make space for what they have to make space for in their lives, you know? Um, and that like, I think when you're handed a challenge, like you, you don't, it's not like I would have been somebody who would have said, Oh, like I would be a good person for that. Like I could handle that. 
you just have to step into a role at some time, at some point, if you're being, you know, if you have, I had no, we had no choice, you know, it was, it was what we were faced with. So, um, I guess I just was, you know, and, and I don't, I wouldn't say that I always did handle it. Like, amazingly I went through periods of being super upset and super anxious about the whole thing um but I think I knew at the end of the day it was one foot in front of the other and like let's get this done um and every day is a step closer to him being done with this and better um and just sort of like I you know feel like I was like all right let's like put our head down and get to work you know um, and you would do anything for your own child. Anyone would do anything for their own child, you know? So, um, and this is really honestly small potatoes in the scheme of what other parents have had to deal with. Um, so I think it's like about keeping perspective and staying grateful for all of the blessings and the good things and, and just the day-to-day good things that happen. Um, sometimes it's like just laughing at stuff and uh, or appreciating like the sound of the wind blowing through the leaves, you know, just to keep you present. Um, but, uh, and not get too far ahead of yourself. Um, and, and feel like, you know, overwhelmed by the weight of everything that lies ahead. Um, because we're really only ever guaranteed today, you know? So that's always something I've taken comfort in. It's like, yes, we're dealing with this huge issue right now, but like, I could also walk outside tomorrow and get hit by a bus. So, um, you know, let's just enjoy what we have right now. Is everyone okay right now in this moment? And, um, usually the answer is yes. So, um, that's kind of the mentality that I use for it, but you know, we're, we're also like really blessed in other ways. My husband and I have a very strong relationship. I couldn't have done it without him, you know, and then, or without, I don't think we could have done it without each other. And then, um, we had financial stability, things like that, that just makes going through day-to-day life and not having that as a stressor on top of it. So we just had a lot of, I think, blessings as well. And just staying grateful for all of those those things is what what helped me get through the harder days of it all. Well, children have such an amazing way of forcing you to be present because they don't yeah. understand time. They have yeah. no concept and they always live in the moment. Yeah. Uh, and so that is something that I'm sure has brought you comfort and helped to reinforce that message that you were just describing of being present and being thankful for what you have right then mm-hmm. to look at them and realize, well, they're living in the here and now. Yeah, totally. I, I could not agree with you more. It's, they're definitely like, you know, our greatest teachers in that, in that sense and stuff. And, um, I think that it's an exercise, you know, you have to really like the mind is a muscle type thing and you have to work on that. And I'm definitely not always there or Zen about things at all. Like I'm definitely actually a pretty high strung individual, but, um, I think like, you know, intellectually from an awareness perspective, like I know that I have to stop and take a deep breath and be present for what's happening right now in order to get to tomorrow. It's, it's definitely, it's a work in, it's always a work in progress. 
Right. Just like our, our children, we're, we're learning each and every day um, as well. Yeah, totally. Well, you've already shared so many words of wisdom. At the end of every episode, I ask the same question. Mm-hmm. And that is, what advice would you give to your pre-mom self? Oh, uh, my pre-mom self. Um, you know, it's hard to say because I just don't think I would have listened. But uh, <laughs> nobody wants advice like that. Like, you know, it's like, oh, totally. shut up. Let me just deal and live it. You know, I'll figure it out myself for God's sake. Um, and that's how I feel. And I would give that advice actually probably to myself. I would say, shut out the other bullshit and don't listen to what people have to tell you. Just figure it out for yourself because let your heart be your guide. And you are the person who knows your child best, not anybody else. And, uh, you know, take it a day at a time and, 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 you know, follow your heart. So, um, cause I think like at the end of the day, we all have these like stresses about like what it looks like to be a really good mom or like the perfect mom. And there's so much pressure from a social media aspect and it's all such bullshit to be honest. And it's like every day, it, pe- nobody is doing it that great. You know, it's just, we're all just doing our best and you're the best mom for your kid, not somebody else or not the way somebody else does it. And it doesn't matter what somebody else is doing. You do you. What great advice to your own self and to I'm telling uh, myself now. I'm telling this is current advice. I'm this is a coach this is a personal coaching session that's in real time right now. Like you've got this Caitlin. Right. Uh, (laughs) What a good reminder. Well thank you so much for being um, on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It was great chatting with you. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Bridget Garsh, and this is Work Like a Mother. I've truly been honored to share the inspiring stories of 12 amazing moms on season one, and I can't wait to share a second season with all of you later this fall. Be sure to follow Neighbor Schools to catch the launch of season two and hear more incredible stories of working moms. Thanks and be well.